As an OBGYN and podcast host, I'm excited to share a resource that empowers mothers and mothers-to-be in managing their pelvic floor and core health. It's called Informed Pregnancy Plus, and it offers access to essential workshops that can significantly enhance your understanding and care of your body during and after pregnancy. Discover the Core Connection, a foundational five-episode series by Natalie Headings, a pre-postnatal exercise specialist. This series covers the basics of pelvic floor health, teaches key postural adjustments, and shows you how to activate your core properly. For a more comprehensive experience, check out Mindful Movement. This premium series provides in-depth content, including practical exercises and personalized strategies to strengthen your body. It's like having a pelvic health expert in your home. You can try the full subscription streaming library of Informed Pregnancy Plus absolutely free. Visit informedpregnancy.tv to start an empowered journey toward a healthier motherhood. Take this step for your health, your body, and your baby will thank you. This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. ByHeart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, ByHeart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. In addition to its patented protein blend, their formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 weight-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system and makes it an easy-to-digest formula. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code Dr. Nicole for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. This week, we have a birth story episode and it is brought to you by Lansino. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN who's been in practice for nearly 15 years. I've had the privilege of helping over 1,000 babies into this world, and I'm here to help you be calm, confident, and empowered to have a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Well, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 154. Thank you for being here with me today. In today's episode, we have Kara. Kara is originally from the Midwest. She and her husband moved to Austin, Texas, right before the pandemic hit. She is a licensed social worker, and she works in a hospital system around Austin. She and her husband welcomed their sweet baby girl, Ellis Abigail, into their family this past September. 
Now, Kira had a pretty easy and active pregnancy with very few side effects, no complications. And after trying everything she could to bring on labor naturally, she was medically induced at 41 weeks. Kira had a difficult induction. It was a long process, lasted for 34 hours, and then her baby girl was born via a vacuum delivery. She needed a bit of attention after she was born from the NICU team. She also had a third degree tear as well as chorioamnionitis, which is an infection around the membranes and the placenta. Kara's difficult experience actually made her question whether or not a C-section would have been a better option for her for her birth. Now, the reason Kara wanted to share her story is that she felt like she wasn't really prepared for the amount of healing and rest that her delivery required. She had heard about third degree tears, but really all she heard was that they were unlikely, which is true. They aren't very likely to happen. And she just felt like there was a lot of information about vaginal birth versus cesarean, but not enough information or not a lot of information about there out there about healing from a traumatic vaginal birth. So we will get into her story today. Now, one of the things that can help you heal physically from a difficult vaginal birth are the products from this week's podcast sponsor, Lansano. And actually, these can help you heal from any sort of vaginal birth or birth period. When I was a breastfeeding mom, I used Lansano breastfeeding products. So it's really a lovely full circle moment to come back and work with Lansano now as a member of their clinical advisory board and talk about their birth prep and recovery postpartum care line. The products in the line include things like this great upside down postpartum wash bottle. There are postpartum sprays. My favorite item is the hot and cold therapy pack. It's this pack that you can put it in the freezer or you can put it in the microwave so it can be both cold and hot. It's reusable and it's different colors based on whether or not it's hot or cold. It's really, really cool, really, really nice. I have put my hands on all of these products and they really, truly are fantastic. So I'm excited to share them with you and you can go check out all of the products in the line because there are a couple more too at lansano.com forward slash AAPB. Again, that is lansano, L-A-N-S-I-N-O-H.com forward slash AAPB. All right, let's get into this birth story episode with Kara. Thank you so much, Kara, for agreeing to come onto the podcast. I'm super excited to have you come on and share your story. Thank you so much. I'm I'm was a huge, huge fan of the podcast throughout my pregnancy. So this is really, really fun to do. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So why don't you start off by telling us a bit about yourself and your family? Yeah. Uh, my name is Kara. I am uh, married to my husband, Paul. We've been together uh, together for eight years, married for five. And uh, we just had our little girl, Ellis Abigail, this past September. Um, we live in Austin, Texas. We moved to Austin from Wisconsin. We're both from the Wisconsin area um, right before COVID. So we, oh, wow. uh, <laughs> we say we, we kind of like Austin, but mostly we just like really like our house. That's, <laughs> that's where you've been. <laughs> that's where we've been. Yes, exactly. Um, I am a social worker and I work uh, at the start of my pregnancy. Actually, I was working. I 
have a background in nonprofits. I was working in a shelter, um, and then I transitioned to medical social work in the middle of my pregnancy, which was obviously very interesting in the time of COVID. Oh my gosh. Wow. So, um, well, first of all, I love your baby's name. That is so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And, um, did that, and I love that you're a social worker. Like you guys have a heart. You can't do that work without having a heart for it. So, cause yeah. it, it is challenging. It sure. is. It is. Yes. Every day is different for yes, sure. Yes. Yes. And then doing it in the middle of COVID adds a whole nother layer on top of that. So God bless you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a yeah. unique time to be in healthcare. That's for sure. That is for sure. And I hope you like, you know, Austin is like the hot spot in Texas these days. So yes. ho- hopefully soon you'll be able to like get out and enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. So let's hop into your story. So in order to understand what happens with birth, um, we need to understand a little bit about what happened with your pregnancy and your prenatal care. So what was your pregnancy and your prenatal care like? Yeah, I had a very textbook, I would say it was like better than a textbook pregnancy. Mm. Um, I was very lucky. I, uh, I, we were sort of surprised, I will say, um, when I found out I was pregnant. And so, um, I was kind of like, am I really pregnant? Like I feel totally normal. I don't like, it was just, it's so bizarre. And then of course, um, you know, I called to schedule an appointment. We had, you know, moved to Austin fairly recently. And so I didn't have an OB here. Um, I had a general doctor, but, um, she had recommended an OB. She was like, I'll give you, she was new to Austin as well. She's like, I can give you mine, but that's like the only person that I know to recommend. So I was like, okay, great. So I called and scheduled. And of course, you know, they're like, great, we'll see you in like five or six weeks. Right. And I was like, really? Like, huh? Like, like, are you sure? So I did the classic thing and like, you know, took a test like every day. Like, I'm like, really? Like, I'm really pregnant? Like, you know. And it was lighting up like a Christmas tree every day. Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. (laughs) Um, I like to joke because people are like, oh my gosh, how long did you have to wait? And I'm like, I literally couldn't even pull my pants up. Like, it was positive immediately. (laughs) Uh, And so, which was really funny when I told my husband, because like I said, we were sort of surprised. I didn't even tell him I was taking a test. Right. Um, I just was kind of like, I need to just take a test for my own mental clarity. Like, I was Mm -hmm. late and whatever. And, um, so I took it and we were actually at our brother and sister-in-law's, like our best friend's house. And so I just like literally called my husband into the basement and was like, Hey, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and he was like, I'm sorry. Like, what? what? Um, <laughs> so, um, so yes. Yeah, so, you know, that kind of continued where I was just like, I feel I never really had morning sickness. I never, like, I just was really lucky. Um, and so it was great. I had some little like low blood pressure spells early on where I was pretty dizzy, but other than that, um, really nothing of note, which was okay. great. That is um, throughout the whole thing, I kind of kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like I wish that I had known it was never going to hit. Cause I feel like I was just anxious the whole time. Like, Oh, when am I going to feel terrible? Uh. Um, and I didn't. So I feel really, really lucky about that. Um, I, I ended up going the OB route. Okay. Um, I had, considered a midwife, considered like a birth center type, uh, type area. But, um, I knew my husband was more comfortable with like a hospital practice and I really liked the OB that I met with. And, um, I was also working in the hospital or looking to work in the hospital at that time. I can't remember exactly, but, um, so it just, you know, it just yeah, kind of all the things just kind of yeah. felt right to, to yep. go that route. Okay. Yep. Okay. So what was it like being pregnant during COVID? It was interesting because I was working, you know, I was considered, um, like an essential worker. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so that was 
that was unique because right around the time I found out I was pregnant was the time that they were starting to roll out vaccines for essential workers. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was working in a shelter at the time. So I qualified and, um, I didn't really have any hesitations at first, but you know, initially there was some of this, like, should you, shouldn't you? Um, and I was just like, I think I'm just going to do it. Um, and I think more than anything felt pressure from, you know, just other people. And and that's kind of the theme of, I guess, pregnancy. And now I'm finding life with an infant is like having to kind of trust your gut and tune out all of the opinions. Um, and so it was just kind of like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go for it. So I got vaccinated, um, pretty early. I got both shots. I got my first one in my first trimester. And I think the second one was right at the start of the second trimester. Um, and you know, never looked back really glad I did that. Uh, I did have a couple like exposures, which now it's like we're exposed all the time, but, um, <laughs> but like, we're trying not to laugh, but like working in the medical, like legitimately we're exposed like constantly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, it, looking back, it is funny to think, I remember the first exposure I had at a shelter where they like sent us home for 14 days and like, you know, shut down everything. And I was home and just like waiting and waiting and, um, and that's, of course, not the case now. But um, so that was scary, you know, at first, because mm-hmm, it was just, mm-hmm. we didn't know enough. But, sure. um, but other than that, you know, we, we didn't get out a ton, we didn't, you know, we didn't feel comfortable doing anything like a baby moon or like a ton yeah, of travel or right. some of those things. But for the most part, it really was pretty, pretty normal, I think. Okay, okay. Um, Did your yeah. husband get to go to appointments with you? He did not. Uh, that was one thing that was a little bit stressful. Um, and I think kind of hard for him too initially to like wrap his mind around, uh, like, I, you know, I would just kind of come home and report back what right. had happened at these appointments. And right. so, um, and especially because I was feeling so well, like, I think he also felt that way sometimes, like, are you really pregnant? Like, is this, <laughs> like nothing has changed. And so, um, he was able to come to our anatomy scan. So the okay. 20 week appointment, which was great. Okay. Um, but other than that, he wasn't, which in hindsight, we're kind of like, that's fine. That initial one maybe would have been nice, but, right. um, but it wasn't, yeah, it was okay. 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 Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant, free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through, and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash itself. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Dr. Mom is committed to providing an ultra premium formula for moms who will not settle when it comes to their little ones. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with simple quality ingredients, no artificial dyes or preservatives, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Head to amazon.com or walmart.com to grab Dr. Mom Butt Balm because nothing comes between you and your baby, especially not diaper rash. So what did you do to prepare for your birth? I 
was a crazy podcast junkie, I will say, um, <laughs> listening to podcasts and birth stories, your podcast specifically. Um, again, I mean, during COVID, right? Uh-huh. I, I would just walk all the time um, because it was something I could do safely. And so I would pop in my headphones and I would just go like walk for an hour, sometimes two hours just around our neighborhood right. um, and listen to podcasts. So that was huge. Birth stories were really um really helpful for me to kind of wrap my head around just like what was going to happen. Um, really early on, I listened to one birth story of yours where I just remember her saying, listen to the ones, even the ones that you don't think are going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. Cause I was totally picking and choosing. Right. I was like, right. <laughs> vaginal, unmedicated, no complications. Like those are the ones I'm going to listen to. <laughs> um, and then I was like, well, that's probably a good idea. Like I should learn about a C-section or, you know, and I started to dip my toe into that water and so, so glad that I did. Um, and then I took, uh, we did your birth prep course. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, we oh, did. Okay. It was wonderful. We loved it. I'm so glad you loved it. I we swear, I, sh- I keep saying this, that I should include this as a question when people yeah. submit, <laughs> and I still keep not including it, but yep. thank you. I'm so, so it generally is a surprise. Like, maybe I like the surprise element, yeah. like people saying that. Absolutely. Like, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was it was really wonderful. Um, so we did that one. And, you know, nice too, because COVID, we could do it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to like start and stop it and kind of like debrief things. My, so my husband, it, he works in IT. He's like not, he doesn't love medical stuff um doesn't really like it when I watch Grey's Anatomy like it's it was (laughs) I was like this is gonna be a thing so that was great because we could like pause it and be like all right let's talk about that right right how do we think that's gonna go um and then I did a bunch of reading so I read um Expecting Better and Crib Sheet Emily Mm -hmm. Oster's books that I loved um I did read Ina May's Guide to Mm -hmm. Childbirth um and then I did some reading about breastfeeding so Womanly Art of Breastfeeding and a couple of those books as well um just tried to kind of read all across the spectrum. Yep. 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 Love it. Love it. Love it. So what are some things that you wanted for your birth? Um, I had like pretty, um, minimal expectations, I will say. And that's something that I, I really learned from the podcast and the birth stories was like, you can have this kind of great plan, but, um, you might just be disappointed if you have a really detailed plan. And that's kind of how Paul and I tend to like live our lives. Anyway, I think we were pretty go with the flow. And so mm-hmm. I was like, you know, we don't, we don't have a ton of expectations. I actually told my OB that at one point I was like, we have very low expectations for this. And she was like, Whoa, <laughs> do you mean, do you mean like, like, l- like limited expectations? Right. I was like, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> So we, um, you know, I, I definitely, I was not opposed to an epidural, but I kind of was like, I don't know, like, I've never been in labor before. Let's see, like, let's just see how I feel. Um, I was going to go unmedicated as long as possible. Um, hospital birth. I wanted to stay at home as long as possible. That was Mm -hmm. one thing, um, just that I really took away from your course was like, stay at home as long as you can. You're comfortable at home if you, you know, as comfortable as you can be. Um, and then just limited intervention. So, you know, very cookie cutter was, was kind of, kind of my thoughts. I didn't have any really big hopes and dreams. I like a water birth wasn't an option at our hospital. And, um, I really, one thing, this sounds so silly now, but I really didn't want, um, an IV. So I was open to like the, the Heplock. Uh-huh. Um, but I just didn't want to be hooked up to things. I wanted to be able to move. You know what? I don't think that, you know, that's not silly at all. I think it's, it's, there's some, it like you, 
there's something about like your freedom and yes. being able to like have some, some movement. So I can totally, totally get that for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. The idea of just, yeah, like being attached to, to something. Um, and yeah, that, that really, that idea really stressed me out. Mm-hmm. So I brought that up pretty early and of course, you know, they're like, as long as everything's fine, that's fine. Yeah. Um, which was not the case. So it didn't even matter. It was a moot point. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's get into the details then. So what happened with your labor and birth? Yeah. So I, you know, very, I think classic first time mom, uh, looking back, listening to these podcast episodes, I was like, I'm going to go early. Like I'm definitely going to be like 39 Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to spontaneously go into labor. It's going to be great. And that is not at all what happened. Like I, I was due September 9th and I really wanted to work through labor day because we have to work a couple holidays in Uh. um, the position I'm in. And so I was like, Oh, if I can work through labor day, I won't have to worry about Thanksgiving and Christmas and, and all of that. So I, and that was on the 4th um, of September. And so I worked through that shift and everyone was like, you did it, you made it. Um, I was so pumped. And then like my due date came and went and nothing. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I went to the doctor that day and she was like, yeah, like you're, um, she said very high and tight. And I was like, oh, that doesn't sound that good. That doesn't sound like labor. Like, <laughs> no, so, yeah, right. that sounds like the opposite of what I want. She was right. like, yeah, like, you know, go walk, do what you can do. Um, and I should say really, um, so when I was choosing a provider, my first meeting with her, which I really loved, she was like, you know, you and I have to decide if we're a good fit together. And so she kind of told me her non-negotiables. And one of those was that she really didn't like women to go past 41. Um, 41 weeks. And she was like, at that point, I just think that uh, risk outweighs the benefit. And I, I talk, I talk induction at 41. And at the time I was like, we're not even going to need to worry about that. So that's fine. So, you know, fast forward, I'm now 40 weeks and she's like, let's, you know, just keep in mind next week. I think we need to start talking about induction. And I was like, okay. So I went home and it is, you know, it's, September in Texas, it was like 98 degrees every day. And so I would get up at like six in the morning and go walk for like two miles. And then I would come home and take a nap. And then I would walk after lunch. And then we would walk when the sun set because it was just so hot. Right. And um, yeah, was just walking and walking and walking, eating all the spicy food. Um, I ate like three pineapples in three days, like, you know, just the, all, all the things they say mm-hmm. and no, nothing was happening at all. Um, so I saw her again and she did, she was like, you're maybe a centimeter. I could do a membrane sweep. She did a membrane sweep and that was right before, um, 41. And so that was probably like 40 and five. Okay. And, um, she's like, go home. Maybe that did it. And just, just nothing. Um, and maybe like a day or two later, I felt like I was starting to have just like some bloody show. And I was like, maybe like, here we go. Um, bouncing on a ball all the time and just walking, bouncing, moving. Couldn't, I did the miles circuit. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just, it just wasn't happening. So, uh, she's like, she, you know, asked that we schedule an induction. And at that point I'd kind of accepted it. Um, I was like, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, it's fine. I don't, I don't think anything is working. And I, if I had seen even like a little bit of progress, I right. think I would have been like, "Can I just give me a minute?" Right, um, right, right. But I, I didn't see it headed in that direction anytime soon. So, um, I went in. We had an induction scheduled for, so we could show up that night. I think it was like they said between like six and seven p.m. Um, and it was just the most bizarre feeling. Like we're like loading up the car. I feel totally fine. Just like such a different 
experience than what mm-hmm. I had envisioned of like staying home and laboring as long as possible. And right. Instead, I'm like throwing my suitcase in the back. And we, I, I literally, oh, I made like an Eggo waffle as we were walking out the door. So I'm like eating an Eggo waffle as we're like driving to the hospital mm-hmm. and we're talking about names. And like, it just was a very kind of calm experience. We felt right. like we were checking into a hotel. Um, so we, uh, yeah, we got there, we checked in, they got us to our room and I had had a friend that had been induced um, a year before, and she very jokingly had said to me, "If they if they even mention a Foley balloon, just run." Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> great." But again, I was like, "That's not going to happen," so it's fine. Um, so we get there, and of course, they're like, "So we're going to get you started on the Foley," and I was like, "Oh." this is the thing. Like, right. this is the thing that they warned me about. Right. And, um, so it, we, we joke now, but so they, they placed my IV and the IV failed right away. And, you know, I laughed about it cause I was like, I didn't even want this. Like, right. um, and it, it failed and I'm like bleeding and, and so they ended, they had to replace it, which was fine. Like, you know, not a big deal at all, but it ended up becoming kind of the theme of the labor was everything they did. They ended up having to do twice. Oh. So they, they replaced the IV and it was like, okay, whatever. So then they placed the Foley and it, it came out. So it was like, I mean, it's not, it's not super painful, but it's not comfortable. Sure. Um, it's not like a pleasant experience, I would say. And we were very, um, the hospital we were at is a teaching hospital. There's, there were a lot of residents, med students, different people in and out of the room, which Uh I did not have any sort of problem with. Um, but they've kind of like filled it and then it like fell out right away and they were like, Oh, sorry. And then they brought somebody else in to do it. Um, so that, you know, wasn't, super pleasant either, but again, not that big of a deal. We were super excited and we were just kind of like, whatever, it's fine. Um, but they place it and it's just crampy and uncomfortable. And then they were like, okay, you know, like try to get some sleep. And we're like, how, like, how do you, I just, you know, I know that, I know they do that. They bring you in at night on purpose and hope that you can get Mm -hmm. some rest, but, um, but we just found that. I'm in the hospital and and there's this thing in my vagina. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. I'm just getting like more uncomfortable by the minute, but that's fine. Um, so we kind of like, we're like, okay, I guess we'll just settle in. And so we settled in and we talked to like a couple different people and, you know, like med students and different people coming in and out of the room. And, um, we put on a TV show and we were like, all right, I guess we'll try to like rest a little bit. And, um, all of a sudden, uh, the woman in the birthing suite next to me was like screaming so loud. We could hear, it was like echoing through our room and (laughs) I can see like my husband getting pale and he's looking at me and finally he's like, is that going to be you? Like, are you going to do that? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I I don't know. (laughs) And so I'm trying not to laugh, but like those those of us that are like work in the profession, that doesn't even like, we don't even hear it really because we're just so used to it, but I know it terrifies people. Oh my gosh. We have had people say like, is she okay? Like, what is going on? Well, and so we, we start, and then we start to have people like come in the room and apologize to us. They're like, we're so sorry. Like you can hear that. Don't be scared. It's totally fine. And we're like, Oh my goodness. So my husband gives me like noise canceling headphones and we're both just trying so hard to like tune it out. And it was, it was very comical, but, um, but so we tried really hard to watch TV, but I think both of us were just listening to her, um, pretty much that whole time. So 
so we tried to get a little rest and then like 1am came and I just like all of a sudden felt a lot of pressure and I paged the nurse and she came in and she was like, no, like, sorry. Like, I don't, it's still in there. I don't know what you're feeling, but whatever. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. And then, um, right. Like probably 10 minutes later, it just so happened that the resident was coming through and she was like, how are you doing? And I was like, I was feeling a ton of pressure, but, and then I got a bunch of relief, but they said nothing's wrong. And she was like, that sounds to me like the Foley's done. Like, let me check. And so she checked and she's like, yeah, you're four centimeters. Okay. So I was like, oh, okay. So they did have to kind of like pull it out a little bit, but, Mm -hmm. um, but once they did, you know, she's like, okay, now we're just going to kind of let you labor. And they did want to start Pitocin at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, can we just start it at the lowest possible dose? Like I was very nervous about like the cascade of interventions and getting super caught on that, that hamster wheel. And she's like, yep, we're just going to give you a tiny little bit. We can always stop it. And, um, I really appreciated very early on, actually, this resident had said to me, like, I want you to feel very empowered with the decisions that you're making. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make decisions with you. And I so appreciated that. And having her say that to me so early on was so key because anytime she did suggest something, then I felt like, okay, I really trust you. Um, and I really like kind of believed her. Right. Um, so that was fantastic. And, um, you know, so at this point it's 1am and I at four centimeters and the fully thing, you know, worked exactly as they said it was going to. And we were kind of like, oh, this is easy. Like, here we go. Like we're, we're well on our way. Mm-hmm. And we were only a few hours in and feeling great. Right. And, um, so then they're like, just get some rest if you can, which of course we couldn't really, but we just kind of laid there and tried to walk around as best I could or, you know, but again, because of COVID, we couldn't go in the hallway. So, you know, you're just kind of walking around your room. Um, And so tried to stay moving as much as possible. Um, And I started to get a little bit uncomfortable at this point. And um, I was like, okay, I bet I'm, I bet I'm progressing. Like I, you know, I was already four and it's probably, it was like 6am at this point and I'm starting to get pretty uncomfortable. And, um, they have a resident, another resident come in and he was like, do you mind if I check first? And I was like, nope, that's fine. And he, um, kind of comically in, you know, it's, it's not a pleasant experience of course, when they're, sure. when they're checking you and he's like, I, I'm so sorry. I don't know if it's just because I'm coming off of night shift, but I can't find your cervix. And you're and I, like, what? <laughs> I was like, I'm, I, it's in there. Like, I don't yeah. know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. So then like someone else has to come in and check and she's like, no, you're still at a four. And I was like, oh, okay. So we laughed about this guy for a while and he was so embarrassed. I felt bad for him, but right. he comes back to our story a little bit later. So, so, you know, we we were like, we were joking with him. We we're like, go home and get some rest. Like you clearly <laughs> had a long shift. And so we get a new set of nurses and they came in and they just had like the best energy. I had one nurse and then she was training someone as well. And they like came in and they're like, we know it was a long night. They wrote like happy birthday, Ellis on the board. They're like, we're having a baby today. Like, here we go. And it was great. It was just kind of like the push I needed. Cause I was, I was feeling pretty deflated at that point. Like, sure. oh, I didn't make any progress. Um, and so then just all day, so this is not Thursday. So all day Thursday, I'm just like moving as much as I can. Um, they're increasing the pit little by little all day long. And, um, and then we're trying new monitors. They tried the, um, the wireless monitors for Mm -hmm. a while, which didn't end up really working. And then uh, her heart rate started to kind of like do some D cells. So then they would have me get back in the bed and, um, 
she ended up only being happy when I was in this one position, which was standing and swaying while leaning over the bed. Okay. It was just like, okay, I guess like this is the only, that was just the only spot I could stay in. Right. And, um, so it was just, you know, getting to be a long day. And then I'll, I think it was 1 PM at this point and they had a midwife come in. Um, and she did, she was like, I'm, you know, I'd like to do another check and see if you've progressed at all. And, um, I was still at a four. Oh, and I was like, are you kidding me? So I'm feeling like so deflated. And she, this was, I will say like the one we, we really expected like, oh, this midwife is going to come in and she's going to, I don't know, just like all these stereotypes in her head. Like she's going to be so like nice and gentle. And she was like actually really rough. And Mm. she was very, um, she kind of came in with a little bit of an attitude and she was like, just so you know, you don't have to just sit here. You can move around. Oh. And I was like, I am moving. Like right. I, you know, and and so it, it was just a I was already feeling really down and I just that was like probably one of the worst like provider ex- interactions that I had. Mm-hmm. Um and so I was like, "Oh, okay, I'll move. Like I'm going to move now." <laughs> and so we, you know, I tried a ton of different positions and just tried to stay moving as much as I could. Right. I was like binge eating jello at this point because that was all that they would let me have. Um And then my IV started to get really, really painful. And I came in and they realized that they had blown it. And so my whole arm was swollen. So they like replaced that, which, you know, again, not a huge deal, but it was just like after almost 24 hours, I was like just over it at this point. Um, So the evening shift came on and they're like, okay, let's check you now. I bet, I bet you're like, I bet you're further along. Sure. You're having like really regular contractions. Like the, like we're, we're like nearly maxed out on Pitocin. And I was like, okay. And they checked me and I'm still at a four. Oh. And I just like, like instant tears are just like welling up in my right. eyes. And right. we were just like, how did this, like, how, like we got to a four so quickly. And then we just like, were stuck. And, um, so they ended up, I, I maxed out on the amount of Pitocin that they would give me and they had to get like a physician to come in and approve that we would go over that amount. Mm-hmm. And so they came in and they did that and almost immediately Ellis's heart rate dropped. So then they had to stop the Pitocin right. and then basically start us over again at the lowest dose. So okay. it was just kind of maddening at this point and morale was super low and now we haven't slept in like 24 hours and, um, I, I just was like, I don't know that I'm ever going to get past a four. And it was just kind of like all the, all the things that start creeping in, you know, just mm-hmm. like, oh, this wasn't going to happen to me. How are we doing this? Like, should I have waited? Why did I get induced? You know, like I'm trying right. so hard to like block all those things out. Right. Um, but all of that just kind of starts flooding. So, um, I looked at my husband and I looked at the resident who had been there the night before came back. Cause now the night shift was starting to take over. And she's like, I really, I really would like to break your water. Like, I think we can try to move things along a little bit. And so I was like, you know what? We've been here for 24 hours. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Let's see if that helps speed things up a little bit. I waited as long as I could. And, um, I looked at my husband and I said, I, th- I think I'm ready for an epidural. Like I, I need to sleep. I'm going to need to rest at some point. Like I right. still have to push a baby out. Right. It's been 24 hours. We haven't slept. I don't see this ending anytime soon. And she was like, I really think you should get the epidural. Like I just, maybe your body just needs to relax a little Mm -hmm. bit. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to need an epidural and some chicken broth. (laughs) It's like at this point (laughs) I was like, I need more calories. So they brought me chicken broth and they came, the um, anesthesiologist came in to place the epidural. 
and he was lovely and um he was very talkative and uh i was like just let like once you decide you're you know gonna have an epidural you're just right. kind of like okay okay like let's let's just go um and he starts to talk about how they got new kits they got new catheter kits and these catheters uh, for the epidural are just so much flimsier than the ones they've had before. And they're just not that great. And I'm like, please don't uh, tell me this yeah, as like, you're I don't want to hear that. Right. putting a needle in my back. Um, so he places it and it doesn't work. And I only, I only feel numb on like, in like my right thigh a little bit. Right. And he's like, oh, I really just think it's these new kits. I just, I just don't think they work. And I was like, Okay. Okay. What can we do about that? Like, could we get another kit? Right. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to let you sit for 15 minutes and I'm going to go see if I can get an, uh, one of the older kits and come back and see if you want me to redo the epidural. So I was like, okay. So he leaves, he comes back. He's like, I found an old kit. Like, did it kick in yet? And I was like, nope, still just my left thigh. So he's like, okay, do you want me to redo it? I was like, yeah, yeah, I think let's, let's go right. for it. Right. <laughs> So he, he replaces it. And again, he was so sweet, but he was like, let me show you the difference. He's like pulling it out and showing me the difference in like the kits. And I was like, I don't care. I I do not care at all. Just please put it in my back. But because they had to do it twice and because it did kind of take in like that one part of my body that my left side was like super numb. And then my right side was just kind of normal. So I had Mm -hmm. like a double dose on one side, Mm -hmm. um, but not on the other side. So, um, so we laughed about that because we were like, oh my gosh, they had to place the fully twice. They had to do the IV three times. They had to do the epidural twice. Like, this is crazy. And, um, you know, at this point it was just comical, but I was very happy for the epidural. I, okay. At that point, I was able to get like an hour of sleep, okay. which was vital, <laughs> was, was very important. Um, so then, yeah, then that evening they were like, okay, just like rest and do what you got to do. And you know, see if you can just kind of get your body, get your body to relax a little bit. And so, you know, we had to come down on the Pitocin quite a big bit because of her heart rate, but mm-hmm. I was still having some regular contractions. And so then they, they started to increase it again. And then, um, it was just a long night, a long night of that laboring. And, um, no, by this uh, time had she, did they break your water already? They did. So they okay. broke my water right before the epidural. Yep. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yep, okay. Yep. And, um, yeah. And that, you know, that was so interesting too, because I, the crochet hook, you, you talk mm-hmm. in the course about how it really mm-hmm. just looks like a crochet hook. And that is absolutely exactly what it looks like. <laughs> and I, I didn't feel like a gush. I didn't feel, I don't, so it just, I think her head kind of came down right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just kind of like a slow, a slow trickle <laughs> for a while after that. Um, but it didn't, it, it, I don't know. At that point, I got the epidural done, so I didn't feel a ton of difference anyway. Um, So, yeah, so the night just kind of progressed, and and it was the same thing where it was like her heart rate would drop. They would move me to a different position. I would have to stay there. It just wouldn't be super comfortable. We'd try. They'd be like, okay, let's try something else. Her heart rate would drop again, so I'd have to get back into this other position. So we could just tell things were like a little bit volatile. And then at this point, it had been now over 24 hours, and the clock was ticking because they had broke my water. Right. And so um, 
1 a.m. comes around and I'm exhausted. We're both exhausted. I mean, we're, you know, everybody's exhausted. The night shift nurses had come on at this point and we have a wonderful night shift nurse. And she was like, you are getting this baby out. Like okay. she like every 30 minutes, she's like, we're, she was moving me and putting me on the peanut ball, having me sit up, like just do all these different things. And, you know, every time she would suggest a new position, I was like, no, but then she'd move me and it would help. And, um, she was fantastic. And, um, so they come in around 1 a.m. And it's the same guy who couldn't find my cervix before. Right. And he's like, can I check you again? And I was like, yes, absolutely. And he looks and I look at my husband and I said, if I am still a four, we're going home. Like I'm done. <laughs> you were like, I'm, I'm, done. Just, I'm, I'm just not doing it's this. It's not happening. Right. She's not coming out today. Right. And I can't do this anymore. Like right. I'm just, I'm done. And he checks me and he, like his whole face falls. And I'm just like, no. And he's like, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like you're still a four. Please stop. And I like, tears are just streaming down my face at this point. I was just like, oh, cause, and cause now I'm starting to think like, okay, like this is going to be a C-section. They're not going to let me go much longer. Like uh, how in the world did this happen? And so there's another resident in the room who came, she was the one that really early on was like, I want you to feel empowered. And she's like, do you mind if I check again? And I was like, nope, go for it. Like if, if anyone else wants to learn what four centimeters looks like, like, come on in, go (laughs) for it. And she checks and she goes, actually you're at an eight. Okay. (laughs) And I felt so, we felt so bad for this guy because he's like, dude, you need to go back to remedial cervical like chest. clearly <laughs> ob is not your thing like right. yeah. <laughs> and i think like he definitely had that written on his face like his whole face felt he was like oh oh wow <laughs> like he was trying really hard to be excited right. for us but i right. could tell he was like oh that was bad that yeah. was that was a bad call yeah. yes um yes but we at that point you know i'm so glad it was that way versus the other way around sure so yes. we didn't even care we were right. like great Right. We'll yes. take it. Like, yes. that's fantastic. She's like, oh, yeah, like, hour or two, I bet you're going to be ready to push. Like, let you're, you're doing great. Just keep doing what you're doing. Let's mm-hmm. try a couple new positions. And it, like, the relief that I felt at this point was like just immeasurable because right. it was, it felt validating. Like, the epidural, I think, was a good call. I think it helped me relax. I think, you know, it let me rest a little bit. Um, you know, I was, a little nervous about them breaking my water. So just things like, you know, it just felt like, okay, we did the right thing. Like, um, I was very nervous about interventions and, you know, getting, getting caught on that, like I said. And so, uh, feeling like, should I have, shouldn't I have, and, and really just, just being nervous about that. So this felt really validating at that point. So 3am comes around and they come in and they're like, you're, I'm, I'm shake at this point, I'm shaking uncontrollably. And, um, they're like, that's a good sign. Like you might be getting close and, um, so they're like, do you want somebody to come in and check? And I said, yes, please. And they come and they're like, you're 10, you're ready to push. Like, um, we're going to go get our team, you know, kind of ready and you start pushing and, you know, we're around this process can take a while. So right. just, you know, whatever. And so we're super excited at this point. And, um, they, my, my OB who I, I loved my whole prenatal, you know, time, she had said, if, um, if I delivered after 5.15, she would come in and deliver. <laughs> and so it was like 3 a.m. So I was like, oh, shoot, she's not going to make it. Um, but that was fine. I, at that point, I was like, I don't care who's here. I don't care who wants to deliver Just the baby. Somebody like, catches the baby. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so um, 
I start pushing and like right away, I'm, they're like, you're making great progress. Like everyone's being just super like lovely. And they're like, oh yeah, she's moving down. She was still pretty high up, um, when I had started. And so, um, they just really early on seemed to be very pleased with like how quickly we were making progress. And so, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, sweet, I'm going to be one of these like 30 minutes and she's out kind of, you know, thing. And that's definitely not what's happening. And then 30 minutes goes by and then an hour goes by and I'm still pushing and it's exhausting. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you hadn't slept and right. And mm-hmm. now it's Friday morning. So we went in Wednesday night. Yeah. We slept like maybe an hour or two that night and then maybe an hour or two Thursday night. So it's, you know, three thirty four in the morning and, um, it's at four thirty, somebody comes in and checks and, um, she was like the attending. I think that was on the floor at that point. And she comes and introduces herself and she's like, oh, you're going to have a baby within the hour. Like we're going to have a baby by 5 a.m. And I'm feeling like elated at this point. And, um, and you know, here we go. I keep pushing and mm-hmm. they, they're having me push in a bunch of different positions, which I really appreciated. It made the time go by a lot faster. Um, so I'm pushing on my back and pushing on my side and, um, and then five o'clock comes and goes and like, everyone's not they stop talking about like the great progress that I'm making and no one's like coming in anymore saying great things. And we're definitely not getting ready to have a baby within the hour. And I'm kind of like, what's going on? Right. And all of a sudden I get like a, a really blinding headache. Um, and they take my temperature and I've got a, a high fever. And I'm shaking a ton and I feel like I'm pushing, but I'm like, I like can't push anymore. And I got, I just get really, really sick. And they, at this point are realizing like I have choreo and, um, baby's heart rate is starting to drop pretty significantly. Okay. And, um, Oh, and for the listeners, choreo, it's chorioamnionitis. It's an infection that happens around the membranes in the placenta. So. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I had known that there was that risk with them breaking my water. Um, but of course, you know, I was like, it's not going to happen, the, the, you know, whatever. And, um, but I couldn't believe just how much it took over my body, how I was just like, I can't, I like, I can't push anymore. I don't mm-hmm. like what, what is going to happen here? And so then it's like, we've got more people coming in the room at this point. And, um, an attending comes in the room and he is like, you know, we're, 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 we're a little worried about heart rate and things like that. And, um, we're going to, I think we need to start to talk to you about what it looks like for you to have an assisted delivery. And, um, I, you know, we're starting to get worried about delivering a floppy baby is what he says. And I'm like, I'd like to not do that. Right. What are you suggesting? (laughs) And he says, I think we need to do a vacuum delivery and I think we need to do it now. And as he's saying this, his phone is going like crazy. His phone is just dinging, dinging, dinging. And he said, this is actually your doctor. She's on her way in and she's watching the baby's heart rate. And she doesn't want us to wait. She wants us to deliver right now. And I'm like, okay, like go, let's just do this. At this point, like, I think we just need to go. I feel like, I I feel myself like fading so quickly. Mm. Um, and I'm getting very scared and I'm feeling like I have no more energy left in my body. And there's so many people in the room and this is starting to feel very scary. Right. Um, so they come in and they start to explain a little bit about 
what they're going to do, how they're going to attach the vacuum. I need to push with contractions. And all of a sudden, you know, there's like 20 people in the room Mm -hmm. and it feels like the scariest thing in the world. And they bring in the NICU team and, um, my husband and I are both just like, what, like, whoa, what is happening? And, you know, we're also a little delirious, I think, and, you know, haven't slept and this headache and I'm still having to push and, um, it just happens so quickly. Um, so they get the vacuum attached and they, what, what they explained to me was, you know, we're going to attach the vacuum. And then once you have a contraction, we're going to have you push through the contraction and we're just going to assist you through the contraction. So Mm -hmm. they get the vacuum attached and my contractions stop. Like they were like, we like uh, uh, the, the um, resident was like talking to our nurse and was just like, okay, is there, is, and right. she's like, I don't know what to tell you. Like they're, they're not happening. So I finally have one and I like, you know, I'm like pushing with all my might and they're like, okay, one more contraction. Like we have got to get this baby out. Like there's going to be one more. And it's like, it was like two or three minutes in between contractions at this point. And, um, and again, it was just like, I felt like everybody in the room was holding their breath. And this mm-hmm. poor nurse, like she's staring at the monitor and she's like, I don't, I don't know. Like they just kind of stopped. <laughs> and so I have one more contraction and I push and they, they, they get her head out and I hear like everybody in the room yell nuchal cord, nuchal cord, nuchal cord. Like they must have some sort of like policy or something where they, um, if you see it, you, you, you say nuchal cord. Mm -hmm. So I just hear that echoing in my head, which I know means the cord is wrapped around her neck. Right. And, um, I feel them, I feel a ton of, of pressure. Um, and she's out and she's completely purple And, um, you know, they are, they hand her to me and she's not crying and she's not breathing. And I'm saying, is she okay? And they're, they're, uh, they're putting her on my chest at this point. Um, but they're rubbing her back and they're like, come on, baby, come on, baby, come on, baby. And she's just not breathing. And they're like, I'm so sorry, we have to take her. So they take her off my chest and, you know, it's, it's a complete rush of emotions and just whirlwind. And I tell my husband, like, go with her, like, and they, they kept her in the room, which I, you know, very much appreciated, but, um, on the other side of the room and, and then finally heard her cry, um, which was great. Uh, and they worked on her for a little bit and then they brought her back to me. Um, and she was on my chest, but she just wasn't crying and she just couldn't get the, oh, and she had also swallowed meconium. Okay. And so then they took her away again, um, which like almost felt worse because <laughs> it was like yeah. she was there and then they took her and then they brought her back and then they yeah. were like, oh, no, not quite. And then they, they took her again. Um, and then they did eventually bring her back to me. I don't even remember how long it was, um, maybe 10 minutes, 15. I'm not sure. Um, but at that point, I felt so I was so dizzy and I was so out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, just, I just had my husband take her. I just couldn't hold her at that point. Um, I felt like very nervous about it. And I was, I felt like I, I don't think I was actually going in and out of consciousness, but I felt like I was just not there anymore. Right, right. Um, and then my doctor walked in the door <laughs> and <laughs> she, um, which was just so funny because she immediately walked right up to my head and held my hand and I'm crying and she's like, you're okay. You're okay. And I was just like, this is not where I thought you were going to be. Like, I did not think you were going to be up here by my head, like consoling me.
Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. Um, and so they eventually say, oh my, she's eight, six, um, which was crazy because I, I didn't mention this, but, um, the only thing that came up during my pregnancy is I was measuring very small. So they did request that we do a growth ultrasound. Uh Um, and the growth ultrasound was fine. She was like, she might just be, she's pretty small, maybe average, whatever. So when she was eight, six, (laughs) everybody's like, like, what? (laughs) Yeah. I I literally looked at my doctor and I said, you told me she was small. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, she was like, I know, I'm sorry. (laughs) And so, um, you know, the, the next few minutes were just such a rush and, um, they, uh, the, the resident had started to, had delivered the placenta, which I really don't remember much of and had started to do like a repair. And, um, I remember my doctor, once once I was okay, she went down and was talking with the resident about kind of what had happened. And um, basically what happened is they had gotten her head through, but realized the cord was wrapped around her neck and just kind of yanked her out at that point. So I had a pretty significant third degree tear. And then um, I had not heard of this before. So I would be curious, I guess, to hear your perspective, but they right. said a third degree tear and then a complete internal tear through my cervix. And yeah. And so she had started to do the repair. And then I, I heard my doc, this was probably about 30 minutes in my doctor had said, you know, why don't you, why don't you wrap up? I'm going to have to redo a lot of this. And she like walked up by my head and like hit the epidural button and then like went and got like suited up and came. And I think it was probably like an hour and a half that they, they had to do some pretty extensive sewing. Yeah. Like cervical lacerations are not very common at all, but they can be very tricky to fix because (laughs) there's bleeding and visualization. Yeah. So I'm not surprised between that and a a third degree Yeah, um, that it can take a while to repair. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was not great. And I, I joke now at the time it didn't feel super funny, but if like 
all anybody kept saying to me was, is it pressure or is it pain? And I was like, it's all of that. Like, like the pressure is so painful. And, um, but that was kind of like the theme of my hospital stay. It was like, Oh, is it pain or is it pressure? And I was like, if one more person says that to me, I'm I'm going to kill him. I absolutely. (laughs) Um, so that was that it was, it was so slow and arduous and the longest thing I've ever experienced. And then all of a sudden it was so fast and so scary. Um, she had a, a pretty big, it looked like a softball was coming out of the back of her head from the vacuum, mm-hmm. um, which totally freaked me out, you know, and they were like, this is normal. It's going to go down, you know, it's going to be okay. Um, but it, it was not, it scared me for sure. sure. Like it just yeah. was, was very disorienting to absolutely. see. Yeah, absolutely. Now, did she actually have to go to the NICU or could she stay with you? She didn't. She was able to stay with us. So they had a NICU team with us for a while. Um, and she, because of the chorioamnionitis, she had to um, get a bath right away and be under like a warming, like her temp dropped and there okay. were a couple other things, but they were able to kind of do everything in the room okay. where okay. I was, which was good. lovely. Yes. Good, 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 yeah. good. And then how was your healing from the third degree tear? It was pretty rough. Um, it, it was, it was rough. And I think one of the things that one of the reasons I was, I was so excited to do this podcast actually is like, that was something I didn't hear a lot about Mm -hmm. was third degree tears. Mm -hmm. And I know that's because they're not super common. Um, but I felt so, I felt so lost Mm -hmm. because I felt like there was all this information on like mildly or uncomplicated vaginal deliveries. And then all this information on C-sections and, I was like, what, like, what about me? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Is this the same type of pain? Is this different? Right. Like it felt different than somebody who had like a first or second sure. degree tear. Right. Um, but it obviously was a completely different type of healing than a C-section. And so I just felt so confused and like, I just couldn't find anything. Mm-hmm. And I, and I wasn't sure what to do with that. And I should say too, like my time in the hospital was also really rough. Um, I had like, I, I could not pee afterwards. Um, and part of that I think was the swelling and the epidural, you know, there, there were so many factors. Um, so they had to, they actually, they did an in and out catheter twice, um, before they ended up having to place a catheter and keeping on trend with the rest of the birth. They, because I was so swollen, they actually had to try to place the catheter twice each oh my time. God. Like, what in the yes, like, I know, I know when the first time they like, like placed it, I just heard her go, Oh shoot, I missed. And I was like, of course you did. Right. Of course you did. Of course you missed. Go. This is just what we're going right. to do. And so the second time when they came in to do another in and out calf, I said, listen, if this happens again, I need you to just place a catheter. Like I, like we need to stop with the in and out right. thing. Right. Like just place it. It's fine. Right. Like I, I can't do this right. anymore. Um, so that was awful. And then it, it was just, yeah, I think it was just the swelling. And then um, they, but also because, you know, there's so many concerns with not being able to avoid afterwards because of, I think, because of how your uterus contracts. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm guessing you just had some awful swelling yes. and it just, yep. it, you just, it, 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 and it just made it difficult. Um, for like the anatomy, like right. things were just right. Yeah, different. Mm-hmm. And then plus, you yep. sometimes with the epidural, like it can. It, I don't. Did you have a catheter while you're in labor? 
I did. Okay. Actually, yep. usually that helps prevent that. But sometimes the bladder just takes a little bit to remember how to do what it's supposed sure. to do. So yeah. yeah. Well, so then they they were concerned that I had developed a hematoma, um, which I hadn't. But they came in like, I don't know, 12 hours after I had given birth and said, we need to do an internal exam. And I was like, you've got to be kidding right. me. Like, what do you mean? I mean, that felt like the scariest thing that they could have ever suggested right, at that point. Right. I was just like, absolutely not. You're like, you and know what happened to me down there and you totally, want to touch yeah. it? I don't think so. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So that was rough. And then that night, um, I woke up in the middle of the night and I had hives all over my body. And Nobody can explain to me. They think it was maybe a delayed reaction to the antibiotics from the choreo. Uh-huh. Um, and I was just like head to toe itching like crazy. And I was just like so over it. I was so over everything. I was so done. I wanted to go home, but I like also didn't want to go home because sure. I was so tired. I couldn't imagine like not having the support anymore. Right. Um, so, so yeah. And, and then once I did get home, it was this kind of fear or and just like frustration about like, I don't know how to heal. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to feel good again. Mm. Like, and just felt so defeated. Um, and I had somebody say to me, she was a friend of like a college friend from my husband, um, who I adore. And she had heard that I had a third degree tear. I must've shared that with her. And, um, she texted me and said something that like, I just will never forget. I just all of a sudden was like crying because she had one too. And she had said, a nurse came in and looked at me and said, like, I, you, I bet you feel like you will never heal again and you will, and you might even have more babies. And that just stuck with me because that was exactly how I felt. Mm-hmm. I was like, I will never do this again. Right. I'm never going to heal. I like, I cannot imagine ever not being in pain. Right, again. right, right. And then eventually, over time, did it just? It did get better. <laughs> like it did. I, you know, I, I don't. I don't even know how or when it happened. It was just like I look back and I'm like, oh yeah, one day it didn't hurt that bad. Right. Like. It, it started to feel better and it was a long journey. Mm-hmm. Like it, I was, I was sitting on a cushion for a very long time. Right. Um, and that, that was rough. Um, I did also like, uh, about three weeks postpartum, I ended up getting salmonella food poisoning. Oh my God. And I was very sick, uh, from that. And then four weeks in, I got mastitis. And so th- there were just other things that I think delayed the healing sure. as well. Okay. Um, okay. And so there, you know, I think I probably felt better physically, but like the pain wise, but I was also feeling terrible because of this, this, or this. Right. And so it, it was probably like two months in before I was like, oh, I'm starting to feel like myself. Gotcha. Like I'm starting gotcha. to feel better. Gotcha. And then yeah. did your doctor ever suggest a pelvic physical therapist at all? She did. Um, so I ended up, I, you know, I know it's, it's common to see them at like your six week follow-up appointment. Uh I ended up seeing her like four or five times, um, which was, was great. I I really appreciated that. Uh And she had, I talked to her a little bit. I was like, I'm not sure if I have like prolapse. And she was like, I'm certain that you do. (laughs) Like, I'm I'm so certain that you do. (laughs) She was keeping it all the way real from the beginning. (laughs) Totally. Yes. (laughs) Like, and you're going to need to heal a little bit, but you're going to need some PT. Right. And, um, I actually, I probably should have started that at this, some point. Um, I have not started that okay. yet. That okay. is something that I definitely plan to do. Sure. Um, I, I ended up having a lot of, uh, like granulation tissue, okay. um, that we were doing some silver nitrate treatments for and things like that. And then, um, realized about probably 
eight or nine weeks postpartum that there was also some pretty significant nerve damage. Um, and so I was still having a lot of pain and it felt like where that kind of, um, uh, where the laceration was, but it was just a different kind of pain. And, and it, so it took us a while for like, once that, that had to heal for me to be like, no, it's still there. This is internal. And that's when she was like, oh yeah, there's some nerve damage here. And so that took another few weeks to really resolve. Gotcha. 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 Okay. Wow. Now I know one of the things you said when you wrote in is it made you question whether or not you would have, should have just had a C-section to begin with. Do you still have some of those thoughts? A little bit. So one thing, one thing that um, really helped me was at my six week follow up, um, my doctor actually pulled up my chart and we went through it like, basically line by line. Mm -hmm. I was like, I have so many questions. And I felt so guilty. Like I said, I feel like I chose wrong because when the doctor came in and said, you know, we need to talk about an assisted delivery. I think we want to, we want to talk to you about a vacuum. I said, great, just do it. Um, and I held so much guilt for like the six week af- six weeks afterwards. Like, should I have not done that? She, you know, she had such a like kind of traumatic entry into life. Like what I, I kept, what if in like, gosh, we got so lucky what if something else had happened? Should we have done a C-section? Would that have been less complicated, less traumatic for her? Like, all did I wait too long? Mm-hmm. Did I, just all the things, you know, because I, I did want to labor as long as possible. Um, and she looked at me and she said, you didn't have a choice. Like, you didn't have a choice. That was what they absolutely had to do. It was the most expeditious route. And you didn't have a choice. And, and, and that helped me so much mm. to hear, like, no, like they, that was the fastest way at that point right. to get her out. Right. And that's what we had. To do. Right. Um, she also explained like she was so far down at that point in the birth canal that, that it was safer for them to do that. Yeah. It, those C-sections like that are just very, very difficult. So. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that, that brought me a lot of closure. Um, but I did, I did have a lot of like guilt over that for a while. Sure, sure, sure. So as we wrap up, how are you feeling now about the experience? And then what is the one piece of advice that you would give to everyone who's listening? I, you know, I feel a lot better. I mean, everything is better in hindsight, right? Like she's here and she's healthy Mm -hmm. and everything is better and I can walk without pain again. Like, you know, everything feels better and she's the light of our lives. Um, But you know, it, it definitely gives me pause. Like if we were to have another child, like I would be, I think I would be very fearful about what that experience looks like. Um, it was very, yeah, it was very traumatic. It was, and it was very anxiety inducing for me. Um, you know, I spent the next few weeks just feeling like the next shoe was going to drop, like everything went wrong for her birth. So like, obviously the next thing that's going to happen is like, she's going to die. Something's going to happen. Like something awful is going to happen because that's just the trajectory we're on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it took me a while to, to, you know, and I'm only four months postpartum, right? So, so I'm still, I think kind of reliving a lot of that and dealing with a lot of those emotions and, and dealing with some of that. But, you know, I do feel like now I'm at the point where I can look back on that day and be like, it was, it, it was not the best day of my life because it was you know, a very hard day. Um, but it was the best day of my life because of her and it was her birthday and, you know, all of those things. Gotcha. So I, I am able to look back fondly. Um, 
but I also look back with like, yeah, a, a little bit of trauma, right. a little bit of, right. a little bit of anxiety right. about the whole thing. Right. And then have you ever considered getting any like professional help or therapy or anything for it? I absolutely have. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I mean, as a social worker, I was, I'm very yeah, I was thinking, but <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And, you know, luckily have like a, a partner who's very supportive and encourages that for me. And he helped me process it a ton. I mean, it was very, you know, traumatic for him too, right. Yeah. To see all of that yeah. and go through that and kind of be on the sidelines. And so we've processed it together a lot. Um, definitely process it in therapy, um, and I, I would encourage everybody and anyone to do that if there are any kind of feelings of, you know, unresolved mm-hmm. about, about what that day looks like. There's a lot that goes into it. Sure, sure, sure. Well, thank you so much, Kara, for sharing your story. That was a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I I'm, was elated to do it. It was wonderful. Yeah, I just, I'm still like... I, the two, the two of everything, like that part, uh-huh. you can definitely leave that behind. <laughs> yes. Yes. I know. I know. We, we told our, our friends a little bit about it and they were like, so next time would you pick a different hospital? And I was like, no, no, I really don't think, I think it, it was, was just, just chance. It, it was, was just, it, it happens. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, again, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Wasn't that a great conversation with Kara? I appreciate her being so honest about all of the difficulties of her birth and just raw and real about her experience. Now, after every episode where I have a guest on, I do something called Dr. Nicole's Notes where I talk about my top three or four takeaways from the conversation. Here are my Dr. Nicole's Notes from my conversation with Kara. Number one, things are unlikely to happen to you until they happen to you. So third degree is not likely to happen, but then when it happens to you, it doesn't feel quite as unlikely. So I say all that to say that you need to remember that unlikely doesn't mean that it won't happen. It is still possible that something could happen. So you need to be prepared for those possibilities. You need to know about some of the resources that are out there and available for you. You can learn more specifically about perineal tears in episode 90 of the podcast. That's drnicolerankins.com forward slash episode 90. Episode is spelled out and then nine zero. And we'll link that in the show notes. And speaking of resources, some other resources you definitely need to keep on your radar are the birth prep and recovery postpartum care line from our sponsor, Lansino. I used Lansino products when I was breastfeeding. Their nipple cream was a lifesaver for me, and I used the milk storage bags as well for breast milk. And so I just love working with them now as a member of their clinical advisory board and chatting about their lovely postpartum care line, the birth prep and recovery postpartum care line. The products in the line really are fantastic. I have looked at them, held them uh, all myself. And it includes this really nice upside down postpartum wash bottle. It's nicer than the ones that you can get at the hospital. Uh, Postpartum sprays, both numbing sprays and just soothing sprays. And then hot and cold therapy packs that are reusable that you can put 
in the microwave that you can put in the freezer. They have a, um, a lining that you can put over it as well. So really, really great products. And so I always want to share things that I think you will find useful. So I'm sharing those with you today. You can learn more about them at lansano.com forward slash AAPB. That is lansano, L-A-N-S-I-N-O-H.com forward slash AAPB. Okay, now getting back to Dr. Nicole's notes, the next thing is number two, one six-week checkup doesn't cut it when you have a difficult birth. You will likely need more visits postpartum. Kara said she had four to five visits before her six-week checkup, so don't be afraid to ask to be seen earlier, you know, like a week or two afterwards, a call and make an appointment just to check in. Um, doctors won't always do it. Her doctor was proactive about it, but definitely, um, don't be afraid to see folks sooner if need be, including a pelvic physical therapist. That's something that we don't, um, know much about. It's not something that OBGYNs are trained on, um, a lot, really any, quite frankly. So you may also need a postpartum physical therapist if you have a significant tear and they can definitely help you with some healing. And then the last thing I want to talk about is being in a place with learners and medical students and resident physicians. I have a great guide that can help you with questions to ask when you are in that situation so you know how they will be involved in your care. You can find it at drnicolerankins.com forward slash resources. Just scroll down and it's on that page there. And also inside the birth preparation course, I talk about working with medical students and resident physicians in more detail in a bonus lesson. I actually have a bunch of fun bonus lessons inside the birth preparation course, like umbilical cord blood banking, placenta encapsulation, questions to ask if you plan to do that. So you can check out the birth preparation course at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. And of course, we'll put all these links in the show notes. All right. So there you have it. Do me a favor, share this podcast with a friend if you like it. And also subscribe to the podcast in Apple podcast or wherever you're listening to me right now and leave a review in Apple podcast in particular. So I can hear what you think about the show. And don't forget to check out the products from Lansano, the birth prep and recovery postpartum care line. Those products are fantastic. You can check them out at lansano.com forward slash AAPB. So that is it for this episode. Do come on back next week. And remember, you deserve a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.